What an exciting episode we have lined up today with Michael Ann Valterra. She is a master money coach and she works primarily with women to help them navigate the financial waters that they have when preparing for a divorce or after a divorce. It's going to be really interesting as we talk about some mindset issues with regard to money and also why there might be a silver lining to divorce when it comes to your money. And speaking of money, if you've ever wondered what it might be like to work with me personally as your financial advisor, I have a really simple process. You can go to my website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. Click on the Contact Us link at the top, and that'll take you to my calendar. From there, you can schedule a very simple and easy 30-minute conversation with me, whether that be via Zoom or in person if you're local. We'll talk about some of the 30,000-foot aspects of your financial life. We'll talk about some of the things that are keeping you up at night, some of your goals, some of your dreams, and decide if there are any next steps. It really is that simple, and there is no cost for that appointment. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chuddick, where we discuss the wealth-building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. Really excited today to have a master money coach uh, with us today, Michael Ann Valterra, and she's helped women transform their relationship with money. And I'm always interested in the relationship aspect to money because money really is an item where we have a relationship, either positive or negative. Uh, She's a highly respected expert in financial psychology. She has written and spoken extensively on powerful, practical ways to reduce money anxiety. So, hey, Michael Ann, how are you? Hello from Seattle. I'm so happy to be here. So tell me a little bit about your business and kind of how you got started. And it's it's kind of fascinating because I don't think anybody ever goes to kindergarten and say, when I grow up, I want to talk about the psychology of money. Well, you know, I think that the truth is money coaching as a field is just new, right? I mean, it's probably 20 years old at this point, David, but it it used to be that people could see a financial planner such as yourself, you know, they could work with a credit counselor if they had a lot of debt issues. Neither field was real well set up to deal with what you and I are calling the psychology of money, although you have to deal with it all the time, as you know better than anybody. So money coaching arose to look at the practical side and the emotional side of money. So I, Mm. for example, teach people how to manage their cash flow. You know, I hate the word budget, but there is a piece of how do you manage credit? How do you manage debt? How do you plan your spending in a way that's satisfying? But what is the emotional side that often stops us from diving into all of this? And that's, that's the other piece of the puzzle. So after I went to uh, grad school in psychology, but my undergrad was economics. So wow. there you go. There's that left brain, right brain, right? And I, I just, I met a money coach and I had never heard of it. I, I fell in love with the field almost instantly. And I became one of the very first money coaches in the United States. It's, it's been 25 years now. I always say that in my next life, I would probably end up being some sort of a therapist or so because people tell me stuff about their lives. And I think that kind of like as a financial advisor, like the nuts and bolts of of everything is is one part of it. Like what are the new tax laws and which stocks are going up and down? But really beyond that, there's a lot of deeply rooted motivations involved with uh, with money. 
but but tell us about kind of the segment of society that that you typically work with and why it's important for that segment of society uh, to, to to work with a money coach. So my sweet spot is working with professional women. And I I love, love, love working with women. Um, you know, all the research shows that women um, have a lot more feelings about men and can feel more emotional about money than men do. And of course, you and I know that men have plenty of feelings and feel can feel very emotional about money as well, right? Um, but I specialize in working with women. Um, and I, in particular, love working with women post-divorce, which I know is one of the things that you and I want to, want to chew on today, um, because it is, it's just about a new chapter. And, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, if you're getting divorced, you've got a new life in front of you and boy, oh boy, does money bring up a lot of stuff. So that is some of the stuff that I just love, love, love working with. Yeah. So you like to say that there's a silver lining when it comes to divorce, at least kind of when it comes to money and maybe other parts of, of life. That kind of seems maybe counterintuitive. So unpack that for a little bit. What, what's the silver lining in divorce when it comes to money? Yeah. Well, I mean, I one way to say this is silver lining is you no longer, you can sleep in the middle of the bed. You can put up all the art that you want that your partner hated, you know? Um, so when you think about money, simply put, you can do it the way you want to do it, right? Because so often in relationships, you've got different money personalities that get together around money, you know, the classic spender versus saver, you know, all the different, um, different things like that. And so if we're now single, we get to do money the way we want. And, you know, we're so used to being in partnership sometimes for so many years that we compromise where we have to, we may be we may use more few credit cards than would be our personal preference. We may be saving more money or less money than is our personal preference. But now that we're single, we truly get to create our financial life the way we want to. And that includes systems. You know, how do you want to look at your money? Um, and in some ways, it's easier to do it as a single person without another person in the mix that you have to always compromise with. So do you feel like, let's say your grandparents and great-grandparents, it may be kind of an over overgeneralization, but probably your great-grandmother did the cooking, cleaned the house, and your great-grandfather went out and worked and brought home the money. That's probably, those lines are blurred a little bit nowadays. Do you see that kind of different generations have different roles with, with regards to money in, in marriages? And of course, that creates issues when a marriage breaks up. Yeah, boy, you're hitting on deep, deep stuff. I love it. Um, I mean, you're right. That's true of, I'm sure, both of our grandparents' generations. And, you know, in in my mom's generation, my mom was born in 1948. Uh, she was raised, eventually, she made money and contributed to the family. Okay. Mm -hmm. She was not the primary breadwinner. Um, women in my generation, I'm in my 50s, we were also very much raised around, okay, we will contribute. It was assumed that we would be financially self-supporting, but that's different than the assumption that we need to make enough to support a family of four. So it, it's interesting. Is it changing? It It is. More and more young women are stepping into the job market stronger and making more money and there's less of a pay gap. It's changing, but it isn't because mm -hmm. you know we also know from the data that a lot of women are still leaving during those very crucial earning years around having kids 
um, you know, child rearing and things like that. So I think where it comes down in terms of, you know, what you and I do for a living, and you see this as a, um, a financial advisor, is there is a big wealth gap. You know, single women have about a third of the net worth that single men do. And and that that's a real complicated one, as you and I know, for a lot of reasons. Um, but it's all the more reason why I know you and I are both so passionate about helping people really get clear about their money, because it's really about being happy and having mm-hmm. enough money at the end of the day to live life the way that you want to. Uh, but divorce just has a real big impact. It does. It does. And if you've listened to any episode, I, I think in literally every episode, and and I think we're in, we'll be in the in the 130s by the time we get to uh, releasing this one. I always say that money does not solve all of life's problems. So money gives you options, and and if um, it, it's funny because a lot of your clients, I would guess, are not people who are necessarily making minimum wage, which means that they have cash flow more than likely to to afford much more than the bare minimums, but still a lot of times there's just much more going out or there may be impulse spending. That's a coping mechanism and all kinds of, uh, kinds of other things. So talk to me about financial personalities. That's kind of an interesting term that I've heard. What are some of the financial uh, personalities and, and like, how would I know, how would you know, how would one of your clients kind of determine what their financial personality is? That's a good one. Um, I, I would say, well, actually, I'm going to go back to something you just said. The number one thing I hear when people call me is I want to feel more in control of my money, right? right? Because you're right. A lot of my clients do have money, which is a relative thing, of course, but we want to feel more in control. And that brings us into this kind of money personality piece that I think one way for your listeners to think about what their personality is, is how would they answer the question, what is the point of having money. Hmm. And some of your listeners would probably say things like the point is to enjoy life. The point is to be able to travel. The point is to do what I want to do. And others of your listeners would say the point is to feel safe, to feel secure, to make sure that I am protected no matter what. And, And so that's kind of this big breakdown between what I would call the liberty personality, which is very, very motivated by freedom mm-hmm. and the safe harbor personality, which is really motivated by security. And, you know, I mean, the truth is, of course, we all have both. It's not a good or bad thing. There's no good or bad money personality, but it's really helpful to know, am I more motivated by by freedom or by security when it comes to money? Because that that type of motivation really dictates what we do and what we feel comfortable doing with our money. So do you find that some of the marriages that that for one reason or other didn't work, did they have opposite money personalities or maybe too similar? Uh, you know, do opposites really attract or 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 is is there not even really a pattern that you can you can determine? Oh, there's a pattern. So, so 50% of all marriages are roughly made up of a freedom oriented person marrying a security oriented person. And it's actually not a bad pattern. It's, it is a version of opposites attract, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, she's so grounded and stable. And it's like, wow, she's going to be so great at really helping us know no matter what we're okay. Oh, he's so exciting. He's so vivacious. I've never 
gone off to a concert at the drop of a hat, you know, it's a very great attraction pattern that initially doesn't probably have a lot to do with money, right? But money then comes in and couples that are not good at communicating about money will do what's called polarizing against each other. They will, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to spend to prove I can spend because this other person is saving, right? Mm-hmm. Does it come up in divorce? Yeah, it does. If people don't learn how to communicate about money, it is, um, as you and I know, one of the most common conflicts in a relationship is around money. But you did bring up an interesting thing. What if you marry the same type? Because 25% of marriages are made up of two uh, security-minded people getting together, two savers. Mm -hmm. And 25% of marriages are made up of two freedom-oriented people getting together, which tend to be both more oriented around being spenders, right? So, you know, you can see the issues that can come up if we're both super freedom oriented, we're having a heck of a good time, but we could also run into debt. And then that causes a lot of stress in in a relationship. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just really, I think it's really fun to talk about many personality because mm-hmm. they're they're all good. It's just a matter of, know thyself, right? I mean, that's what Socrates said, know thyself so that you really kind of have a a framework of understanding why you feel and do what you do. Well, I think any important part of your life, whether it's money, whether it's relationships, whether it's spirituality, whether it's health, number one, we have to be purposeful. So you don't drift to financial success. You don't drift to the weight, the body that you would want. You don't drift, or at least after like you're 18, (laughs) you you don't don't drift to great relationships. You have to be purposeful. And part of that, yes, know thyself. And there's nothing wrong with spending the appropriate amount of money that your financial reality allows. And there's also nothing wrong with saving. Um, So, so they're, they're both good but but you have to know thyself and you have to probably also know thy partner's selves if, if there still is a partner to be able to kind of manage it in a way that makes sense for both of you. So let's jump away from the podcast for just a moment. And even though we're talking about divorce and money mindsets and money personalities, I bet we have a bunch of business owners listening to the show today. And if you're a business owner, you may have thought about what it might be like to sell your business uh, in order to be able to fund your future lifestyle or your retirement. Well, if that describes you, check out my website, www.allofmyassets.com. I'll talk a little bit about some of the ways that you can increase the value of your business so that you can sell it for a higher multiple when you're ready. And also you can take the value builder questionnaire, which will give you some feedback on some of the things that you can do, some of the areas of opportunity in your business that you can improve. So www.allofmyassets.com. And now let's get back to the podcast. So annual planning and, and emotional waters. Now I'm a big planner, even though I don't, I think plans are important. It's hard for me to plan for myself in a way. And, I, and that may be kind of true for, for a lot of financial advisors. But um, why is a is an annual plan so important, you know, to navigate those emotional waters? So I love working on annual plans with clients. It's, you know, I, I personally hate the word budget. I'll just say mm-hmm. that because budgets sound like a big fat diet to most people. Well, and- Budget to me 
implies that you're poor. There's so, or there's some part of it that feels like, you know, you can't afford to buy anything. So you're on a budget. Right. And it's like, and then what's left over for me? Oh, nothing. I'm right. living deep on leftover. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I really dislike the word budget, but creating a nourishing spending plan is really about putting yourself first, your values, your needs, um, you know, potentially your family depends on, you know, who you are, but putting together an annual plan, whether you are still married or you are divorced is about looking at what do I want to do with my life? And how much money do I fundamentally need? And at an annual level, it answers a lot of big questions such as, well, what can I afford? That is an important question. It also brings up questions like, what do I need to earn? Right? How do I, how do I make my life work in a way that is super satisfying? You know, a monthly cash flow plan deals with how to get through the month in, in cash flow, you know, credit card questions and savings questions and whatnot. But Whenever people say to me, Michael Lan, I wonder if, and anything, I wonder if I can buy a boat. I wonder if we can afford private school for a little Johnny. Any of those questions are always best answered at the level of an annual income and spending plan so that we can see the impact of big spending decisions and income decisions so that you can, you always want to feel like you're living life in balance. Mm -hmm. But you want to feel like your needs and wants are honored. It's not all about debt. It's not all about retirement. I mean, those mm -hmm. are super, super important things that we want to absolutely be on top of. But it's one of the reasons why people think working with money is no fun. Mm -hmm. Because debt is all about the past. And retirement is all about the future. But we don't live in the past or the future. We live here in the present. and so. Having an annual plan is about enjoying your present life in a, in a way to make sure that you can do it. I don't really, well, first of all, I work with a lot of business owners and a lot of times retirement is not the main goal with business owners, but even with um, clients that have jobs, I don't even like the word retirement. I like to get to, uh, let's work towards where work is optional in your life to where you can afford to work or afford not to work. Work only stinks when you have to go. But if you're 75 years old, still healthy mentally and physically and still love what you do, hey, God bless you. Keep working, you know, um, and you may or may not need the money. But that's, again, that's what money does. It's freedom. Yeah, it's interesting you, you brought that up. I, I agree with you. Retirement is kind of an old-fashioned word. Um, I always prefer the word work optional, right? Because I, I'll work as long as I want to work. I just want to know that if I don't want to work, I'm, I'm okay financially. Take this job and shove it. Wasn't there a country yeah. song? And, yeah. and but you can only do that if you have the money to. Uh, if you, if you're not desperate for the money, so if you if you develop a nest egg, then work can become optional, and you can work as much as um, as you want. So, what are your annual plans like? Let's talk a little bit about one of your annual plans that you would do with one of your clients. What would that? What would that? Um, what would be included in the annual plan? Well, for example, let's say I've got the classic scenario where I'm working with this you know, lovely woman who got divorced last year. And mm -hmm. the, the, one of the dilemmas with divorce is it feels like everything's changed. All the expenses are now different because she's perhaps living in a different home. She's got different expenses. The income's different instead of, you know, the way it used to be. She may be, may be a combo, right? Of, you know, spousal support. She may be working. I mean, it just feels crazy for people post-divorce 
income and expenses have both changed. Mm -hmm. So we look at creating an annual plan that basically it's a framework of, let's look at all the places where you need to spend money, where you want to spend money, and then let's match it to all of your income streams. So, you know, ultimately it's, it's a decision-making matrix. So that if we're saying, you know, if we just make up pretend numbers that you want to spend, you know, $80,000 and you've got 75,000 coming in in between, you know, your revenue streams, income and, and other sources, that's a great thing to know, right? It's like, okay, let's talk about a $5,000 gap or whatever we see, or maybe it's the other way. What do we want to do with the extra money? That's what's so fun about working at that level. What I find, David, though, more than anything is it takes away stress and it, it helps. You know, I talk a lot about rising above the money fog. You know, that's the name of my book I've got coming out, Rise Above the Money Fog. And it is about feeling in control around money. And when you feel foggy, it just doesn't feel good, right? You don't feel in control. Money is an area where we can know the absolute facts. Sometimes we have to dig them up, but we can know exactly what your income is. We can know exactly how much debt you have. We could know exactly what your interest rates are, um, at least on debts. So there really should be no, I wonder if I could afford that 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 should be pretty easily determined, you know, either by yourself or with the help of a professional, because we can absolutely know all the facts. It's easy to avoid facts. So if you get a bill and if you don't open the bill, you don't owe the bill. Well, then that's not true. Just because you didn't open the bill, you still owe that money. <laughs> but uh, but you right. see, uh, you see people avoiding facts all the time. Well, and I, I think that what what I would say is you can track your spending, for example, and get past data and, mm -hmm. and look at where the money went. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of choices for people to make about where they want the money to go. And none no of that question. is actually none of that's actually happened yet, right? Mm -hmm. So there there's a lot of decision making and lifestyle choices and things to debate when people look at an, at an annual plan. You can use past history to a degree. But but the future is wide open, and and that's why you know post divorce it feels even more wide open because things are very different. Do you notice that spending habits tend to change drastically after divorce? Maybe maybe spending a little more to kind of spite the ex the ex spouse, or maybe not spending anything at all extra because they're maybe too afraid of the new situation. You know, that interestingly goes back to your money personality mm -hmm. without your partner acting as almost a natural break on you, you become even more of who you really are. That's a, that's one way to say it. Right. Mm -hmm. So a natural saver in, in a divorce situation will become even more of a saver. Someone who's naturally more freedom oriented and tends to be a little bit more of what we would call a spender. Um, tends to go forth and, and spend more. And, you know, that gets into a lot of emotional territory of spending almost to prove that we're okay and that we can, right? right. I mean, both sides can get fairly complicated. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's just one more reason why it's it's helpful to understand what motivates you because in a divorce situation, you tend to become even more part of your, your, your core personality. So tell me about your own divorce and, and 
how did all of this apply in your own life? Did you make any mistakes or, or just, you know, be, being as open as you'd like to be, you know, tell us that story. Cause I'm sure that has a huge impact on your practice. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I was married 14 years and our son was nine when we um, divorced and he's now 23 and in the Navy. So it feels like a while ago. Right. But you know, I know for me, I wish that I had brought in um, counseling sooner, right? Because it's just such an emotional, uh, it's such an emotional subject. But the biggest thing that helped me navigate it was this planning piece, because I had the skill set around being able to plan my cash flow at this, you know, monthly and annual level. I was able to chart a new direction pretty quickly, and you know, and I saw post divorce. For me personally, I had to, you know, I had to make more money. I had to restructure my business. I had to go out and buy, you know, I bought a house after my divorce. I, I feel like, and this is partly why I'm so passionate about this. If I hadn't had this process or methodology to stay in touch with my money, I would have been so much more stressed because there's a lot to navigate in the breakup of a relationship. You don't want it to be all about the money. You know, I mean, you're processing the ending of a relationship and a new life, it, you don't want it to be all about money. And so, you know, I had the ability to be okay financially because I knew how to manage my money. That was a huge, huge help to me to avoid even worse stress. And imagine if you didn't have the base financial knowledge, how much worse it would have been. And I know that financial literacy, even amongst higher earners is not necessarily that great in the United States. So a lot of people just don't know basic financial concepts. So when you take a traumatic divorce and then you take the emotions and then you take just the lack of financial literacy, that could be the recipe for disaster, don't you think? I do. And, you know, it also is division of labor in some couples because there, there are a lot of couples that whether they have an overt discussion or that's what evolves over time, one person manages the household finance, the other person manages a host of other things, right? So it's not necessarily a bad division of labor, but if you divorce and it was the other person that was managing all the yep. finances, oh my goodness, then you really feel overwhelmed. And so, you know, I've got a lot of women that call me and say, okay, I need to learn how to do this. Um, and, you know, and it makes, it makes sense, right? At, at what point after divorce is, is it the right time to work with you? And, and after you answer that, you know, how would someone who's thinking, I'd really like to talk with her, I think she can help me. How would they get in touch with you? And what are some of the resources that you could offer to them? Yeah. So what is the perfect time? Um, I, Cause I've kind of seen everything. Some people contact me before they're divorced, trying to figure out how much money they might need when they divorce. But commonly, um, most common thing I see is the dust has settled. And there is, um, you know, depends on, there's often a spousal agreement, there's maybe the child support is known. I mean, it's still pretty fresh, but they sort of know a little bit what they've got to work with. They just don't know how to make it work, mm -hmm. right? That would be That would be, I think, a really helpful time to work with whether it's me or working with, I mean, I refer to lots of money coaches and I've certainly um, been involved in training a lot of money coaches. I'm sure there's a money coach out there that's perfect for everybody, right? Um, if I'm the person that they want to talk with, then I would just encourage your listeners to grab a free discovery call. And to do that, they go to my website, Seattle 
moneycoach.com, seattlemoneycoach.com. And I, I've got clients all over the United States, David. I, I live in Seattle. Um, but they can take do a, a free 20-minute call with me just to kind of dive into some of this stuff more, or I can just make a referral. There, there's a lot of free info on my site, though, if they would prefer to download a free ebook on how to stop stressing about money, or if they want my book that's about to come out, Rise Above the Money Fog, um, all that's on the website. I, I, I preach on the podcast that we all need to get help with where we need help. And and if you're in a situation where you're stressing about money and it's a divorce situation, why not go to a specialist? So uh, check out www.seattlemoneycoach.com. There are some resources. There's a free ebook and you could book that 20 minute call and just see if uh, if you're a good match and, and maybe even just get uh, if you're not a good match, I'm sure there'd be some uh, some really good uh, basic pointers uh, as well. Well, we didn't talk about the last question I'm going to ask you because I Always put uh, put my guests on the spot, but with your background, I'm going to be really interested in your answer. So we're the Weekly Wealth Podcast, and we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. So, what is your definition of wealth? What does wealth mean to you and your family, and in your life? Oh boy, you end, end with a doozy. Um, wealth for me is I'm I'm a combination of freedom and security. So for me, wealth is knowing that I can do what I want to do now and knowing that the woman I'm going to be in 20 years can do what she wants to do as well. You know, we always get a version of freedom, but very rarely have I gotten kind of a version of freedom that includes uh, a distant part in the future. So that's, yeah. uh, that is, uh, that is pretty yeah. interesting because it's easy uh, to have freedom today, but not worry about freedom tomorrow. But, but what we yeah. do today does affect where we will be tomorrow and, and 20 years yeah. from now. So. Well, and I, I'm, I'm a tango dancer, David, and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm dancing in my seventies and mm -hmm. perfectly happy and have the freedom to do that. So, yeah. Well, that is really interesting. And I'm as far from a dancer as anybody could possibly be. There may be some, <laughs> uh, thankfully there were no, uh, no cell phone cameras from back when, when I was in my twenties, because it, it would have taken a little liquid courage for me to dance. But, uh, those days are definitely over for me. So, hey, everybody, if this makes sense for you, if you'd like to kind of dive in and if you are a recently divorced or divorced uh, female specifically, uh, hey, go to seattlemoneycoach.com, check it out, schedule that call if it works for you, and we will go from there. So, uh, Michael Ann, I appreciate your expertise and your time. This was really, really good content for our listeners. I really like to give... Uh, give our listeners some some tips and pointers on how to have a better life because that's really the if we handle our money the right way it can give us a better life and if we don't handle our money the right way it can really really detract from uh from our quality of life so i appreciate all that you've given and um until next episode we wish everybody a blessed week thanks michael Ann. thank you so much the information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.